Our heart sponsor for today is the 501c3 nonprofit National Treasures Artists in Residence. We are supporting them by offering an audience-requested masterclass on business plan writing. Over 30 days, you will receive daily emails with micro-tasks broken down over the month that will give you a complete plan. This will help you assemble your ideas, communicate your concept to others, and raise capital. Participants will be eligible for prizes that will help you polish your plan to optimize success. Visit AchievePodcast.com forward slash business plans with an S to register. The mind sponsor for today is upcoming podcast series, Personality Sleuths. Personality Sleuths will be co-hosted by Dr. J. Galen Buckwalter, whose career includes being the founding chief science officer of eHarmony and me, leveraging my experience as a venture capitalist and entrepreneur. We will analyze personality using a speech-based proprietary AI algorithm, along with the clues evident in social media and the popular press. Each episode will dissect the life of someone famous who gained the trust of many before becoming notorious for duping people, committing a crime, or losing exorbitant amounts of money, all while the clues were there all along in how they spoke. Tune in soon. On this episode, we have Hela Taha. Hela was born and raised in New Jersey, showing a strong entrepreneurial spirit from young, standing out amongst her predominantly physician family. Continuously blazing her own path, she was one of the few women to attend the New Jersey Institute of Technology. She maintained her strong interest in entertainment and her passion for music by working as an unpaid intern at Hot 97 for about two years. After that, she learned how to develop websites, which led her to launching the Sorority of Hip Hop, where she would eventually manage 50 female bloggers. She's been involved with two pilots at MTV, including one show that was filmed extensively, but ultimately did not get picked up. She completed her MBA next, while simultaneously working at Hewlett-Packard, where she would stay for five years. From there, she left to work at Disney and to launch her podcast called Young and Profiting. She recently was on the cover of Podcast Magazine. Hala, thank you so much for joining us on our show. Likewise, thanks for having me. It's it's really great. You're so accomplished at a young age and you seem to understand very well connecting with people and providing them with with content, ideas, thoughts that um, really engage them. So um, this is going to be a great conversation. I think it's going to be very inspiring for our audience. Um, I always like to start from the very beginning in these conversations. And so I know that you went to college in New Jersey. Did you grow up there? Were you born there? Yeah, I grew up in Watchung, New Jersey. So that's central Jersey. Okay. Uh, Well, we have some overlap or similarity in that way. I spent a few years in Piscataway, New Jersey in my adolescence. Um, About my youth, I should say. I was, uh, that was elementary school. And then uh, kind of moved on from there. So probably not, cool. not too far. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been I've been around Piscataway. That's near like Rutgers University. Right. I've been around there. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, do you have siblings? I do. I have three siblings. I have two brothers and one sister. They are all doctors. So um, everybody oh. followed in my dad's footsteps and became doctors. And I'm the the lonely uh, podcaster slash marketer in the in the family. <laughs> Got you. And what is your birth rank? I'm the baby. Okay. Fourth child. Right. Got mm-hmm. you. All right. Well, um, that's so fascinating about the tradition and, and you're you're bucking the trend um I, I learned that your father recently passed so uh condolences um, oh, thank for you. that um 
Well, uh, growing up, I guess the biggest question is um, what attracted you more towards marketing and not towards medicine, like your siblings? Yeah, I mean, I was always different than everyone else in, in my family. So just some backgrounds for your listeners. Everybody in my family is a doctor, like my my dad, my uncles, my cousins, like everybody's a doctor or they and like, you know, or they're in the health field, they're a nurse of some sort, like a lot of the doctors married nurses, for example. So like family uh, dinners, everybody's talking about what boards they took, what residency they're in. And here I am like, hi, I work at a radio station. So um, definitely was a little difficult for me, especially when I was in college and and like all my cousins and siblings were going through med school. It was, it was pretty challenging for me to uh, feel like I was uh, doing well in life and feel like mm. my parents were proud of me and things like that because I was doing something so different that they just really didn't understand. Um, so in regards to like, what was your original question? How, 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 so, did... where, where do you think that came from? What do you think? It, oh, it, yeah. It, was there some inspiration well, that you felt growing up that was unique? Yeah. Or... So something to to know about me is that I was always very good at singing. And so I was always like on stage when I was younger. So I would always be like, you know, in the plays, um, especially in college, I was like leading all my plays. I always had a solo at the chorus concert. And so I was very outgoing and like not shy to be on stage. And like, I loved to be on stage. And so that definitely made me stand out compared to my siblings and cousins in terms of the fact that like I was the one, you know, being on Miss talented teen New Jersey and winning and, and doing all that kind of stuff. And so um, I was always very outgoing. I was always very into sales and starting my own businesses since I was a young age. I always had like some hustle going on. And I also was the one who like just took regular jobs where all my siblings and cousins, like they just studied and I was always working. I like since I was 12 years old, even though I really didn't need the money, I would like make my, like force my parents to let me work. And I would like go work at a gift shop and wrap gifts or go work wow. at the clothing store or washing hair or whatever it was. And I, I worked since I was 13 and always had like my own money and, and, and wanted to work. And I think that gave me a lot of social skills because I was just such a good salesperson. And I learned that, you know, just having all these odd jobs growing up, whereas my siblings and cousins really only focus on school. So I really always like to get my hands dirty. I always like to sell. I always like to hustle. And I always like to be on the stage. Um, and so I think all those elements helped me realize that like, yeah, I don't think being like a doctor is really what I want to spend my time doing. Yes, no, it's true. I mean, it's, um, you certainly don't get the, quite the, the platform unless you become like a Dr. Sanjay Gupta, but, uh, once that position's filled, then, you know, you don't need <laughs> yeah, several exactly. doctors in there. Um, but that's so great. It's, uh, it almost feels like, um, your drive and desire to differentiate yourself and, and you had the, the singing prowess, which helped, um, you just kind of kept going with that. And, um, it, it's just, I, I think about it, 12, 13, you're, you, you started a side hustle at that time. Um, yeah because you were passionate about it and it helped sort of assert and affirm your identity, which is, which is really great. Yeah, totally. Uh, I completely agree with you and what you're saying that um, learning those sales techniques or kind of how to manage people um, is so important. And um, that is really, um, uh, you can 
apply that skill in so many different domains or settings. Totally. And also like the, the, the mentality that no job is too small. Like I still get my hands dirty and don't care to get my hands dirty and, and like really just put in the work. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I did work so many different jobs when I was younger and had every single type of job that you could imagine that a young person could have. So I think it just gave me a lot of experiences and, and social skills, like I said. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Now, the choice to go to uh, uh, NJIT, um, is that, did you have family members there or was there a program of study you liked or did you want to stay close to home? Well, you know what? I wanted to stay close to home and I didn't get into Rutgers. (laughs) So it's so funny. I had great grades and I had plenty of, I don't know why I didn't get into Rutgers, but all my friends got into Rutgers and I wanted to stay close next to my boyfriend and my friends at the time. And so I decided to go to NJIT, next best thing, um, which turned out to be great, honestly, because at NJIT, I really had a chance to shine. There wasn't that many women there. And especially like, you know, outgoing type women like me. And so I really just shined when I was there. And I think it was one of the best decisions that I ever made because had I gone to Rutgers, I would have just kind of been like everybody else. And being at NGIT, I was just so much different than a lot of the other people that were there that I, I really just like stood out and it gave me a lot of confidence. So really happy I made that decision and it turned out to be a great school. So, um, Shout out to NJIT. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, and uh, but and that's also kind of a, a mode that you were accustomed to because uh, what you just described reminds me of your family setting. Everyone's physicians or nurses, and you're going to go do your own thing. And here you are with a bunch of uh, engineers, and you're doing your own thing. And so mm-hmm. um, you kind of thrive in that environment. So so well done. Yeah. It's not always the easiest to do, but. Uh, I appreciate your candor uh, uh, and then sharing that and uh, you clearly uh, made it work for you. So um, just looking at the timeline, you started um, Sorority of Hip Hop while you were still in school. Yeah. So I actually, when I was in college, I got an internship at Hot 97. I was Uh, like a junior in college. At that time, I was still really interested in singing. So I actually was writing music, going and recording music with different producers and like was really into it um, and thought that I could have a career being a singer. And I really believed that. And uh, I also was always interested in radio and using my voice and things like that. And I was in the college radio program and everything like that. And so I landed this internship at Hot 97 and I was in the corporate side. So I was working like looking at Nielsen numbers and doing like, you know, really corporate stuff. I did a really good job. And then they promoted me to go work in the studio area. Now, that was like, so cool. Nobody was ever promoted there. There was only like 15 people that were allowed to be there, period, who had access to the studio. And that's because it was a different celebrity there every day. You know, it would be like Jay-Z, then J-Lo, then Kim Kardashian and, uh, you know, Chris Brown all in one week. So um, it was really a a very secure place and nobody really had access. So I was um, offered to be an intern for Angie Martinez on the Angie Martinez show, which is a really big deal at the time. She's the thank you. Yeah, she was the voice of New York. And. Um, I was still an intern getting working for free and I ended up um, dropping out of school. I dropped out of school for over almost two years. 
um, to work for Angie for free. And I became her like interim producer slash assistant. I was still really young and I, and uh, you could imagine my family was so pissed off at me for dropping out of school and working for free at a radio station. (laughs) And um, I would hustle working at night, uh, selling showcase tickets, um, hosting showcases with the DJs, I had online radio shows on the side with the DJs that some of them are like very famous right now on the radio that I used to have my little online show with them. I'd be the personality they would DJ. Um, And I used to go host parties with the DJs and just kind of be their assistant. And I did everything at the station. I I would do everything from research to answering the phone, running the contests, uh, running the delet boards. Um, But then I also would like go get coffee for people and feed the meters. And so it was like, you know, a really humbling experience. Um, But unfortunately, when a paid position opened up, um, they didn't give me the job and I had worked for free for three years and really did a great job. I can't, I can like, I worked so hard and really wanted it, but you know, it's a very fierce arena. I'm sure there was some jealousy involved. Like at the time I was like a very cute girl. Angie was getting older. I'm sure she felt jealousy. I was getting a lot of attention and and like, I think she was starting to feel jealous. And so, you know, I left, um, really, I was, I was upset. I I was crushed. Um, actually Angie fired me, um, because they hired somebody else and I texted him. I was very upset that day. Like, Hey, I don't feel good. I'm not going to come in. If you need to learn how to produce a show, why don't you learn it on your own the same way that I did? And so I was like kind of nasty, but I mean, if you put yourself in my shoes, I worked for free for three years, every single day, I basically like paid money to work for this lady. And then when it was time to give me my, my, what I earned, she didn't give it to me. So looking back, I I regret it, but I don't at the same time. And me and Angie are fine now, but I, I actually don't regret it. I think what they did to me was a sort of illegal to make me work for free for that long. And then just plain mean to, to just cut me off after I worked for free for them for three years and literally like no exit interview, nothing like just cut my key cards and uh, told all the DJs they weren't allowed to talk to me anymore. So all my friends, my whole identity, all that, nobody was allowed to talk to me anymore. And I remember some DJs called me up and were like, I'm so sorry. I can't believe this is going to happen. I'm going to try to fight for you, all this stuff. But for the most part, like that's how it is at those like really clicky radio stations. It's like you're in or you're out. And so everybody's like, okay, Hall is out. So they basically blackballed me. And that was really messed up because I had literally dropped out of school to work for them. And uh, yeah, go ahead. I I was just going to say, like, that's the most uh, poignant point of this. It's like um, you went against your family and you had to to deal with that. And for three long years, you're out of school. You're sacrificing all your time and energy. So that even that made the blow even worse when. Yeah. Yeah, I think in total, I was out of school for like almost two years. So so like partially I was in school trying to balance it. And then there was like a a period of almost two years I had dropped out of school fully thinking that this was going to turn into my career. Right. And and then they kind of slapped me in the face. So needless to say, I was absolutely devastated. I literally was crying as if somebody died. Everybody knew I had I had grown like a social media following on Twitter 
all around my Hot 97 identity. I had tied my identity to Hot 97 so closely that I felt like, what I, who am I now? You know, yeah, I oh, yeah, everybody yeah, knew me as a girl yeah, from yeah. Hot 97. I, I was like really popular in college for being the girl who works at Hot 97 and hangs out with celebrities and whatever it is. And so it really was soul crushing. And I just, I flipped it around so quickly and looking back, I'm like, how did I even flip it around that quickly? But like literally <laughs> like well done. Oh, the week later, not even, I think it was that weekend I got fired. I learned how to build websites and I had this idea, like, I'm not going to be blackballed. <laughs> I, I am going to be relevant in this industry and I'm going to do it on my own. If, if hot 97 is not going to give me a chance, I'm going to do it on my own. I had ran blogs for some of the DJs like DJ enough who worked at hot 97. I, and I was running his blog for him for free. So I learned how to do a lot of that stuff while I was at the station. And I would also do like all their social media too, while I worked there during the day. So I had learned some skills and I was like, let me just figure out how to launch a WordPress website. It can't be that hard. Right. And so I learned how to do it. I went on Craigslist and Twitter and I put out solicits like, Hey, I'm starting an all girl blog. It's going to be the sorority of hip hop. If you, if you're in the industry and you know, you, you want to learn how to blog, you want to learn how to write, I'll teach you how to do that. Um, let's like all about female empowerment. Let's work together and, and start this platform together. So within a week I had recruited 14 girls and, um, they were all from like complex Def jam, uh, VH1, like all different corporations within the industry, all like very like attractive girls, uh, smart girls, all that kind of stuff, like the the complete package. And so we started off with 14 girls and I was the president um, and we were strawberryblunt.com slash the sorority of hip hop. So there was like some edginess <laughs> to it. I kind of regret yeah. calling it strawberry blunt, but back then we were young and it worked for us because it people right. really remembered us for that. And we right. were kind of like edgy, like badass girls. We thought we were at the time. So um, we started this sorority of hip hop and within like three months, we were one of the most popular hip hop and entertainment news sites available. And we so got great. really uh, popular yeah. really fast. Um, we got attention from a lot of people, including MTV. Yeah, we did down the line uh, in the beginning and then down the line. So the reason why we got so big so fast is because I had an idea that um, there was some automation tool out there back then where you could hook up your blog title to automatically push to your Twitter feed. And so everybody was doing that, but nobody thought to at mention anyone in that title. And I, I had the benefit of like, you know, at the height of it, I had over 50 female bloggers. And so Every time we did a blog post, we would at mention the person in the actual blog post. And then 50 girls would tweet Drake or Wiz Khalifa or whoever it was. And then those celebrities would retweet us. And so that's how we got so popular so fast. And we were like the first ones to do that. And then all the other blogs started to do that. So we were the first ones to do that. And so that's how we got really popular within the, I think the two months in MTV reached out to me. And it was this lady, Tiffany from MTV. I'll never forget her because she ruined my life two years later. Um, and <laughs> we'll go into that. And so we did this pilot. It was very little. You know, they shot us at like our, our we used to do radio shows, the sorority of hip hop. We used to have a blog. We used to host parties and concerts. That was like everything that we did. So um, we were like, they filmed us there. Like it was just a small scale thing. We didn't get the show. It was just a pilot. 
but we didn't care because we thought like, oh my gosh, MTV noticed us two months in. This yeah. is amazing. Uh, what's going to happen next? And we just kept kept it moving. It wasn't a big deal. So we kept growing the blog as much as we could. At the time when we first started, blogs were really hot. And then blogs quickly like got stale. You know what I mean? Like it was just really hard to stand yeah. out. It's really hard to monetize the blog. We were getting a ton of traffic. We couldn't really figure out how to monetize it. We started a store and tried to sell clothes. The most mm. way we made our money was hosting concerts and showcases at, at the right. end of the day. We like weren't making money off our blog. We were just yeah. like maybe like keeping even. So it wasn't that great of a business. But anyway, MTV scouted us again. And so did Oxygen. And um, actually Love and Hip Hop wanted me to be on that show. And I rejected it for MTV for the second pilot. And uh, they they signed us. We were getting paid. I was the lead. They they signed five different girls. They shot us all summer. They got us a studio on Broadway as if we were like the real world with the neon signs and super cool yeah. furniture. Wow, we got nice. our makeup done every day. Uh, we hosted like a concert with them. We did like a dance. They shot us all summer. They filmed me at my parents' house with my boyfriend. You You name it. So we thought we were going to be famous. Um, this was right after Jersey Shore happened uh, um yeah. you know the same producer that was like holla i know last time you didn't get it this time it's for real it's gonna happen like it's in the bag they really talked us up we were so excited about it and finally i was like listen like i've been doing this sorority of hip-hop i had graduated college already i was like a full-time entrepreneur trying to do this and and i was thinking like you know this is it like it's if i get mtv then yeah, i get some it, sort of notoriety so. i made yeah. it uh, just we'll just host parties for a while, cash in, whatever we got to do. And, um, you know, I thought that was it. And I was so excited. We were all so excited because we really did work really hard for that moment, you know. Then I got the call from Tiffany and, oh, and no. you know, she had lied to me, told me everything was, you know, 100% it was going to happen. Apparently there was a chance that it wasn't going to happen and it didn't happen. And they, they didn't pick our show after they filmed it all summer. And again, it was like just this soul crushing, like, how did I not get picked again? You know, like, how is the gatekeeper again telling me, no, uh, I worked so hard and it would have been such a great show. MTV, I'm, I think it's one of the biggest mistakes they ever made because after Jersey Shore, they never had a hit show and yeah, now they're irrelevant. Yeah. You know, I wonder what would have happened if, if we had our show because we were we were interesting. I'll tell you that we were a funny bunch of girls. Um so anyway, we didn't get the show. And at that point, I had to make the decision to just shut down the blog because I was thinking I was like oh, wow. getting older. You know, I had been out of college for a few years. Oh. How long could I be in a sorority? And like, yeah, I look young and I could pull it off. But I just felt like I, I needed to grow up, get a real job. And my parents obviously were, <laughs> were thinking like, what is she doing? She's hosting parties for a living. You know what I mean? And so that was difficult. And so I was like, listen, I need to shut this down. And a lot of the girls are still mad at me for it and still email me and message me like, how could you have done this? Like, you know, they, but a lot of the girls understood, you know, and I had to shut it down and I went and got my MBA and I just focused every inch of my brain power on my MBA. I had done rather poorly in undergrad. Obviously I was focused on hot 97 and, yeah. and doing cheerleading and being in plays and doing all that stuff during college. And so I did pretty bad in my undergrad. And so I knew that I needed to get like a 4.0 in my MBA if I ever wanted to get a good job. And so I did, I got a 4.0 
And well, uh, I was that. top of my class, number right. one. Thank you. Um, and uh, I had begged NJIT to let me in. <laughs> but you were Go working ahead. at the same time, right? You were with Hewlett Packard. I did. I, I, I was working yeah. at Hewlett Packard as an MBA Amazing. intern. So, yeah. Wow. Congrats. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so hard to do. Full time job, also studying, and you got a 4 0. That's really yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and again, I think it has to do with all the experiences. Like people always think that like, you know, I think that I'm always at an advantage because I had this entrepreneurial spirit. Cause I think, again, it helped me in my MBA because I was the best one at speaking and doing presentations. I don't think I was the smartest one, but I studied my ass off and I, I really put in the hustle and I think that makes all the difference. Um, yeah. so, uh, yeah, so I did really well with that and that helped me, you know, um, I got that the Hewlett Packard internship and, you know, getting a 4.0 just kind of like sealed the deal in terms of me, like getting a job there and everything like that. And I ended up getting promoted like several times. And yeah. when I first started at HP, nice. I felt really behind. Like I felt like I was an old MBA intern, even though I wasn't that old, but you know, when you, no matter how old you are, you always think you're older than you are, right? Um, so I felt like I was too old to be an intern. And like, I was worried that like everybody was like ahead of me who was my age. I was maybe like 27, you know? And so I thought oh, everybody was okay. ahead of me. And um, and then it turns out that I got promoted so quickly, so fast that I ended up like going, like, you know, surpassing my peers. Yeah, yeah, I ended up leapfrogging them in the company. Um, and well, that was great for me. And yeah, I don't want to keep rambling if you have other things that you want to talk about. <laughs> no, no, this is exactly uh, the stuff that, oh, I mean, you ended up spending five years at Hewlett Packard. So yeah. I think it's, I mean, it just feels like um, the, you were obviously performing brilliantly. They were taking care of you. So you wanted to continue. Um, but at some point you decided to make a change. Yeah. So um just some backstory for everyone in terms of like what yeah. Hewlett Packard was like. And I'm like so bad with numbers. So I don't really even remember how old I was at this point. But um, I was at Hewlett Packard. I was an MBA intern. I started something called their Young Employee Network. And so it was like basically the, an employee resource group at the, the office. And I started, I founded it. They had chapters all over the world. And I was president wow. of that for two years. And I, I was leading this like group of young employees. And so that got me in with the CEO, the CMO, because I was always asking for money to host events and getting approvals and all that. So that helped me build some notoriety. Um, yeah. Then I went on to be on the global young employee network. Um, so that was like 7,000 people all over the world. Hewlett Packard has like 300,000 people in it. So it was like, I got to be like a leader, you know, within the company. I was like an entrepreneur within the company, you know, and yeah. I was really like the face of the young employees. Um, definitely. And what was the age cutoff for the, to participate? There was no age cutoff. We were like young at heart, but like anybody under 30 pretty much was like the, gotcha. like the cutoff. Yeah. So like I was, um, I was part of the global young employee network. I started this tradition called HPE spirit week where, um, they did, we, it was like a week long event and it was themed days every day of the week. They still do it to this day. And yes. it created like a huge splash. I had 500 people volunteering, working for me for that event. We had like 120 events around the world that week. I was emailing the company every day. And so it was like a big splash and it's something that they still do today. 
So I was recruitment chair at the time. And uh, then the next year, I wanted to be president of the Global Young Employee Network. I was two years on my local chapter president. I started HPE Spirit Week. I was the standout member of the global board by far. All my peers wanted it, wanted me to get it. 50 people shot videos nominating me to be president. They gave it to somebody else. (laughs) Story of my life. They gave it to somebody else. And I didn't get Global Young Employee Network president. But the moral of the story is that I turned it around. And as you always do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so that actually motivated me to start Young and Profiting Podcast. That's why I started it because I felt rejected. I had all this free time. I was doing basically, I was working part-time within my company for this organization, which by the way, I would never recommend doing to any, like do it for a year. Don't do it longer than a year. I could have started Young and Profiting Podcast so much earlier, right? Mm, And I started it so late because I was so absorbed with this, this thing that they took away from me. And the funniest part is the lady who didn't choose me quit a month later and it's like the company probably was like what the hell you know like and then i left i went to disney you know what i mean because i felt like kind of uh cheated i i had i had basically worked a part-time job for years um supporting the company um and building its culture up and becoming the face of the young employees only for them to to not give me like the ultimate thing that i was going for which is why i had done all all that work because i just really wanted to be president at the looking back it's like so stupid why did i want to be president of that organization but when you're in it it's it's like feels like a bigger deal than it is i mean i think that's exactly the point and what's clear as you've talked about all your experiences is that when you jump into something you go in with both feet full heart and you're just going to give your all to everything you do um, whether you're getting paid or not it's just you know this is the uh, end goal i'm just going to go make it all happen and so i I really admire that uh, by the way we want to make sure that that comes across and i think so many people are going to find that inspiring and so uh, you know obviously our hearts are breaking as we hear this story <laughs> that uh, here here's yet the third time that you wanted something so profoundly and deeply and then you were denied it um but what what's phenomenal is that um you always get back up on the bike like it doesn't yeah. deter you and i think that resilience is such an admirable skill and orientation to have it's like anything can happen, you will still find a way. And how many others just crumble, fall apart? You know, they, they go well beyond a weekend to recover from not getting. Oh, yeah. Oh, dreams. yeah. And so, you know, in some ways, uh, oftentimes, when we can look back with a different lens, we're like, actually, I'm glad I didn't get that. Because look at young and profitable. Now, it's just young and profiting. Yeah, young and profiting. Young and profiting. Um, the presence it has, the stepping stone that that's going to be to so many other amazing things. Um, so in some ways you can th- be thankful. Uh, I know it didn't I'm feel that so way at the thankful. time. <laughs> Every, that's what I always say, redirection. Sorry. That's what I always say. Rejection is redirection. Mm-hmm. It really yes. is. Well and, and honestly, Every accomplishment that I've ever had has really come on the heels of rejection. Every single major accomplishment in my life and everything that people say, wow, I can't believe you did that. It all came from me feeling angry 
and turning that anger and revenge into something productive, learning a new skill, starting something new, having a new idea and bringing that to life. And so instead of drowning in sorrow, I try to just quickly figure out what is the what is the essence of what I was trying to achieve and how can I achieve that on my own? So like with the, the, the Global Young Employee Network, all I really wanted to do was just lead people again. You have to realize that I was leading so many girls at such a young age and then that went away and I was like the intern and obviously I didn't have employees under me until later on. And like, so I just like wanted to lead again and I felt like, oh, I have all these leadership skills I'm not using. Let me like do something for the company. And I did it like amazingly and started all this cult. I gave, I basically had the company had no culture and I infused all this culture into the, into the company and they loved me for it and it, and it helped advance my career. So it's like, I did get some benefit from it. You know, it definitely helped bring visibility to me, but really the essence of it is that I wanted to lead people. So again, when, when they, when they took that away from me, I thought, how can I use my voice now? and all my talents to do what I want to do, but do it on my own. And that's when I decided to start my LinkedIn personal brand, you know, which now I have almost 70,000 followers, start my podcast. And uh, I started investing in my own idea and my own self. And this time I wanted it to be different. I wanted it to be like on my own before I had started really big. I had 50 girls to worry about. When I started Young and Profiting, the idea was to just have it be something I did by myself That's and just right. like, uh, and, and be like the center front and stage. Now I have 27 team members, but I'm still like, you know, the center of the, like the, the host of the podcast. So it's everything that I wanted. I wanted to lead people. I wanted to help people. And, uh, now I get to do it and it's on my own terms and nobody could tell me no. And as long as I'm the one who controls what's happening, then I feel like I can succeed. It's like the minute you have a gatekeeper that's in the way, you have no idea. Like it, it could have nothing to do with you. It could just exactly. be that they're having a bad day or yeah. they they're jealous or of you. Or, yeah, yeah like just yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, and when you yeah. are a very ambitious, motivated person, people are going to feel threatened by you. Like yes, I, I think it's very hard to target people. on your back. Yeah. And, and also, especially I have a weird name and like all this stuff, like I'm not, I don't get to the diversity card. You know, I'm not, I'm not somebody who like, you know, you're going to want to elevate me because you want the diversity card, but I'm also not somebody who, you know, there's just like, a, it's very complicated being an Arabic person. Like that's yeah, a whole other yeah. topic, but no, it's like no, a lot but, of people just won't give me an opportunity literally because of my name. And so yeah, like, that's yeah. tough for me too. And, and that's another reason yeah. why I feel like I'm always from when I was younger, like had to do everything on my own. Yeah, no, no, that makes complete sense. And uh, I can identify with that as someone who also has a weird name, um, but is not one of the, you know, largest uh, minorities where it uh, ticks a box. But uh, exactly. by the way, you have a beautiful name, Hala, and its meaning is is phenomenal. It's uh, it's basically the female version of, of Halo, uh, the light around the moon, if I oh. understand correctly. Maybe I think so in Arabic, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in Arabic, it's Hella is my name and it actually means welcome. So, oh, uh, okay. it actually means welcome. So I think both are fitting. I, I like the, both definitely. <laughs> I never heard <laughs> well, the Halo one. Yeah. Well, apologies for pronouncing it wrong. So it's Hella, not Hala. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, everybody in America calls me Hala. Um, there's yeah. just a few best friends and my parents who call me Hella. <laughs> so don't worry, okay. you said it right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like to be authentic as, as possible. So I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll keep that in mind. So um, Hella, uh, congrats on all the success you've had with um, Young and, uh, and, and Profiting. Um, you've had some interesting milestones recently. Please share with us some of the uh, recent successes. Sure. So uh, Young and Profiting Podcast is a top 10 how-to podcast on Apple. We're also a top 50 education podcast on Apple. We have over a million downloads. Um, so the podcast itself is growing really fast. I've interviewed huge folks like Robert Greene, Seth Godin, Mark Manson. These are like the top of the top authors. We've got lots of big CEOs and things like that. And a funny thing happened. So I am, I'm a marketer, right? I'm a, a very good marketer. That's what I do at Hewlett. What, that's what I did at Hewlett Packard. I now still work at Disney streaming services. I'm in this transition period where I'm trying to like, you know, take the, the full step and leap into entrepreneurship again. It's very scary for me because I had such a traumatic experience when I was younger. So taking this leap is probably a lot harder than, even though I can take this leap right now, I'm just like, you know, scared because I had some traumatic experiences, obviously that we talked about already that happened when I was younger in terms of having my own business. So um, I, I ended up building a team at Young and Profiting. So a lot of my fans are really into the show and a lot of them reached out to me and were like, I want to volunteer for you. I just want to learn how to podcast. I just want to assist you. I just want to help you. And I, I basically built this movement. And so by year one, I had like 10 people uh, I'm in like year two and a half. Uh, I probably had like 15 people by the end of year one who were just volunteering for me because we weren't making any money. Phenomenal. It was That's just amazing. like everybody just yeah. wanted to help. Right. And so I started a Slack channel. We had meetings. We would just I would like, you know, had interns and, and we would start to recruit interns. And so it just started to grow into this team. And, um, you know, by year, now I have 27 people under me. Maybe when I first started this company, it was like 20 people that were just working on Young and Profiting podcasts. So I had like an internal video team and a social team and an audio nice. team. And I had like built all these processes. Yeah. And I was, I'm just, I've been leading since I was such a young age that these things, I don't, I told you, I didn't even want to start a team. I wanted yeah. this to be by myself, but it yeah. just didn't happen. I'm like, just attract people like that. And so, <laughs> um, and I'm able to motivate people really easily. So it just happened that way. And I had a lady, Heather Monahan. She's uh, the author of Creating Confidence. She has a podcast. She's a huge LinkedIn influencer and Instagrammer. And she came on my podcast and I did the promo. And she's like, Holla, who does your marketing? And I was like, I do my marketing. I, I do it myself. And she's like, really? Do you, you mind like hopping on a call showing me what you do? So I showed her our, like all our stuff, our processes, our tools. And she's like, Holla, your stuff is as good as Gary V. She's like, do you understand what you've done here? Like you started it, you started a marketing agency. Like you need to offer this as a service. And that clicked for me. Like I had never even really thought about it. And then I realized like, wow, like I do have all the processes and I have all these volunteers. Like maybe I can, this is a way where I can pay them finally. Yeah. And so uh, I started this business. Heather was my first uh, client. And then it's just been so easy to get clients. Everybody is just comes on my podcast. I let them know I have a marketing agency. I promote the show. Then they hit me up and they say, hey, like your marketing is really good. 
how can I like, tell me about it. Now I have five huge clients, Wonderful. you know, Congrats on a that. side business that's like, I have multi six figures and contracts already. And, uh, you know, we just started this summer and I haven't even advertised for it. So the podcast is just a lead gen tool now. Uh, for my the guests who may be interested in my services, I do end-to-end podcast uh, production and marketing. Uh, we do the the guest booking, the targeting, the show prep, everything that we did for Young and Profiting. Now we can offer as a service because we've mastered it for my own thing. And now we can just scale it out and offer it as a service. So I'm just building my team, uh, my my original volunteers. Some of them have equity. Some of them have, uh, you know, are getting paid. So everybody's happy. And I've just built this amazing team that has an amazing culture. Everyone is so happy to work at, at YAP. I just hired my first full-time U.S. employee, which was like a big milestone. I've got lots of full-time employees in the Philippines. There's a whole clique in the Philippines working yeah, yeah, <laughs> on nice. my stuff. Yeah. So it's cool. It's just amazing. And I, I couldn't be happier because I feel like this is, I get to basically just do what I love now. And it, it's yeah. just such a cool feeling. And the other thing that I just want to say is that when you start a side hustle business, the coolest part about it is that you literally are forced to design it to work on its own without you. So everybody knows what they're supposed to do during the day. And I'm not micromanaging everyone because I have a day job. And so I built this business that kind of just runs on its own for the most part. I'm super busy and and like my life is a little too crazy right now because I'm running a, a a huge podcast and, you know, uh, a thriving marketing agency and a job at Disney streaming. So it's a lot. And I have a relationship and all that. So it's a lot, um, but it's so, yeah, it's so rewarding and there's so much more to come. I think 2021 is going to be insane for me. So I'm just really excited. Well, I, I, I get the sense that you thrive in having all these, uh, kind of balls in the air that you get to juggle. That's uh, that's yeah. kind of your your mode of uh, of existence. Yeah. Um, and I imagine, I mean, at the moment, it's a marketing agency, but you've just started in the summer. I imagine it's going to flip at some point to be more of a producer type arrangement where you're financially sponsoring some of these and then getting yeah you know a cut of the the profits. And yeah. uh, I think that'll just. Uh, create a financial platform for you because you figured out uh, you know how to do this it'll create a great financial platform for you that'll be very secure um yeah it sounds like you're engaged with your disney job and it's enjoyable and you're learning a lot but um it feels like your heart is in really in this entrepreneurial side yeah, it's tough because it's like I love I love competition. So like the idea of like quitting Disney makes me feel like I quit and like I know that I could probably like, you know, rise the rise the corporate ladder and do all that. So it's like it's just it's this part of me that's like not ready to like give up on that competition. But I I feel like I haven't even started advertising this business and I've gotten all this business just fell in my lap and yeah. like really yeah. high ticket deals, you know, and, and we're doing such good work that I feel like there's really something there that I need to like explore and really, and fully flesh out. And like you said, starting a podcast network is definitely something that I want to do. Most of the people who work for my podcast have their own podcast. And sometimes I recruit people like they invite me on their show and I'm really impressed with them. They're usually younger, you know, and I, and I say like, Hey, are you looking for a part-time job? Like come do research for my podcast. 
And, and then, you know, I've got this like huge network of podcasters who are now working for me. So I think that's going to end up turning into a network too, hopefully. Yeah. You'll be the next Wondery and then uh, Spotify will come by and uh, I hope so. (laughs) Or Gary V. I'll take either one. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, um, this has been such an amazing conversation. I did want to react to one thing that you said about um, expressing some nervousness or anxiety around taking the entrepreneurial plunge. Um, And I want to reference this article that I read in the Financial Times probably a decade and a half ago, Mm -hmm. where they did a really elaborate study looking at the motivation for entrepreneurs. And it kind of um, broke down into three main areas, the people who did it for money, the people who did it because they had a grudge or something to prove, and those that did it where it was just a commercialization of a hobby. So they were just doing it anyway. And they're like, oh, I can make money doing this. So, okay, let's go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just imagine that first category were where all the failures were. Mm. All the successes were people who had something to prove or uh, commercialized a hobby. And particularly thinking about that category of people who had something to prove because um, that's been a lot of your experience. Yeah. Um, you worked so hard, dedicated yourself completely and wholly to something, and then you were denied um, what the prize was. And the best example I can give, and, and since you uh, are in New York, um, you'll you'll know this, uh, is Mike Bloomberg. Um, my, I started my career in investment banking. I was at Solomon Brothers. Um, I started much later than when Mike Bloomberg was there, but the, the actual story was that he was a partner at Solomon Brothers, got marginalized, sent to manage the back office. And he said, okay, I see how it is. And he left and then he started Bloomberg Media mm. and became this multi-billionaire who had a net worth at least you know, 10 to 50 X all those partners that marginalized him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that's my story too. I know that like, as soon as I really take the leap, I think things are going to like 10 X. And so I know within my, like, I know it's coming soon. Yeah. It's coming soon. Absolutely. Keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing. Uh, I look forward to watching how successful you become and seeing the press releases and uh well i have big news and i can uh i can say because it's official i signed the paperwork i'm going to be on the cover of podcast magazine in january congratulations that's uh, fantastic yeah like joe rogan was on it jordan harvinger all the big podcasters so it's huge and i i feel like that's really gonna propel me in 2021 so i'm very excited Well, you were prescient uh, in what you said that uh, yeah. it was good prognosticating. 2021 is going to be an amazing year for you. So, mm-hmm. Hella, thank you so much. I was <laughs> emphasize the pronunciation there. Thank you so much for, for being thank on our you. show today. I think you did a great job, Asim. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And I hope that okay. your audience found it valuable. And uh, I hope you guys check out Young and Profiting Podcast. It's for all ages. So I actually interview people who are much older than me and very wise. And we do a ton of research. It's valuable, you know, whether you're 20 years old or 80 years old, it doesn't matter. So I hope you guys check out the podcast. And I would agree. I've listened to a few episodes and uh, they are exceptionally insightful. Thank you.